morning. Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 28. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus, wrote, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to, of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised into life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will, be, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, who, some who are standing here, will not taste death, death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Good morning. Welcome to the Ark. And, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll still be able to get our, uh, our cars after the service. Uh, I know it was just a, a challenge just getting from my car in the here, and, uh, and my guess is you've had that same problem. So it's an amazing gift that you've given us your time to be here, and, and certainly for those uh, of you at home, it's a great day to sleep in. So if you're listening, uh, you've gotten up, and we want to say thank you for uh, being part of our service. Uh, my name is Tom Carver. I'm the lead pastor here at Asbury. And uh, something that, you know, uh, the the calendar itself is, has flipped. Uh, we've started a brand new year, and in, in many ways, we were hoping that the, the past would be the past and it wouldn't leak into to, uh, the present. And, and yet, we know that, that, that there's been some unfinished and unsettling business that's been going on in, in our nation, in particular, uh, basically since the beginning of the pandemic, and, and it continues. Uh, to to uh, go, uh, it continues to, to go on, and uh, and and you know, last week uh, Thursday was one of those very unsettling moments in in our nation. Uh, we continue to see unrest, and we also continue to see uh, uh, sickness uh, and death. All of those things have have 
leaked into uh, 2021 and continue to, to uh, make the news. But there's something I want to bring back uh, that we haven't done in a while, and, and, it, and I'm going to reach further back. In fact, this was going on before I arrived here as pastor, and it will continue. Uh, my prayer is it will continue long after. And, and that's when we remind ourselves in the midst of all of this unsettling uncertainty uh, that uh, that we are about something here at Mission, uh, at uh, Asbury. And so would you join me if you, if you uh, recall uh, the three things that we're about, just join with me. And if you, if you don't recall, uh, we'll repeat it. And I think it's easy enough to catch on. Uh, we are about loving people, transforming lives, and making disciples. Like I said, we, it's been a while since we've said it, so we've dusted that, those phrases off. Uh, we want to live into it, but let's say them again. We are about loving people, transforming lives, and making disciples. Now, when I think about disciples, it's not a generic uh, thing. We're not just kind of uh, putting together widgets and, and, and things like that, that we're wanting to be very intentional about making disciples for and of Jesus Christ. That, uh, that what Jesus said and did uh, long ago, I believe he is saying and doing this day. And he continues to work in our world and we want to help people to, to know Jesus, uh, to love Jesus, and to hear his invitation, which is to follow me. And so with that in mind, uh, I want to uh, come to a phrase that was said about uh, him in the first century. Uh, it, it's found in Luke 15, 2. And, and, and this is pretty much the way it was, uh, it was said. He welcomes sinners. And he eats with them. And, uh, and, and, and uh, that it, you know, describes the ministry of Jesus. That's where he went. He went into places where he welcomed sinners. And he sat down and ate with them. So I want you to say that phrase with me. Uh, and, and we're not going to go into this, but we're going to come back to this uh, throughout January, that, this phrase. But let's say it together. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. And uh, as we begin to think about that, reflect about, on, on that, uh, that question, it, uh, it, it, if we're going to follow Jesus, somehow it's going to put us at a table with people that make us uncomfortable. And, uh, and we're going to kind of flesh that out, like I said, during, uh, during the month of January and probably into February. Uh, and it really comes down to that first statement we, that we say we're about. We're about loving people. Well, what do you, how do you love people? You welcome them, and you sit down, and you have to spend time with them, often at a table. So, uh, I was... Uh, I was reading uh, about a, a, uh, a uh, commencement message that was spoken in 2005 at Kenyon College. Uh, David Foster Wallace was the one who, who gave this commencement message. Uh, after reading a little bit about it, I went ahead and, uh, and found it on YouTube and listened to some of it. But in uh, that commencement message, uh, David Foster Wallace tells a story that goes something like this. There were a, a couple of fish, and they're swimming along, 
youngsters, and they, and, and they pass by an, an older fish who says to them, Morning, boys. How's the water? And, uh, and they didn't answer. But uh, a little bit further down uh, stream, one turns to the other and says, What is water? Now, David Foster Wallace was using that to talk about, in 2005, the culture and the currents that were flowing around uh, that group of students and, and graduates. And, and certainly now, 15, 16 years later, our culture has changed and there are certain currents that are moving through our, our culture that we just take for granted. And we're going to look at those in, in a moment. But, last week I talked about uh, the tabernacle, and, go, uh, and, and for those who were here, uh, we kind of watched where God uh, began to appear and, and how God's glory began to shine. And uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, in Exodus, uh, the, the people of God, the, the Israelites, have left, uh, have left Egypt as slaves and they have gone into the wilderness as a free people. And, and during that time, Moses is leading them and having conversations, regular conversations with God. And God is kind of downloading information into his life to share with, with the people. And uh, at some point, he, he, uh, God describes the tabernacle, this, this sacred tent that would be, uh, be representative of God's presence. And so uh, Moses describes that. The, the people get together, they, they uh, invest time and uh, whatever it took to complete the task, it finally gets done. And, and in that moment, then, uh, then uh, the set, uh, tabernacle is set up, and, and the moment it's set up, it's like God's glory descends into that place and just signs in such a powerful way that everybody knew that's where God was. Well, as I shared last week, that, uh, then that, that glory of God moved out of a place and it moved into a person, and that person was Jesus Christ. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, describing the eternal nature of Jesus, that Jesus has always existed. But there was a moment in time where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and that Word dwelt among us uh, literally means He pitched His tent, he, he set up His tabernacle and moved among us. So God, God uh, displayed His glory in a tent, then He displayed His glory in, in a person. And then as we continue to, to read in the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, we see that God's intent is to, is to move from a, a place to a person to a people. And we are that people. That people begin to understand and know God as we display the glory of God, as we follow Jesus and allow uh, the current of Jesus' spirit to, to move and flow through us. So with that, that in mind, I, I want us to, to look at, at four specific currents that flow through our lives so naturally that unless somebody points it out, we're, we're right in the middle of that, that current and we don't even think about it. So the, the, first, uh, the first current, in current number one, is, is isolation. Now, 
<laughs> it's amazing that we have gathered in this place. We've come out of our, our places of isolation in order to be together. But in the, in the course of a typical week, uh, that that we will uh, we will head home and, and we will just kind of hang out in our house or our apartment or our dorm and and, uh, and that's kind of this place where we just want to be alone. I you know I was thinking about this. For some of us, we can drive up uh, to our garage, hit a button, the door comes up, we can drive into our garage. And today, I definitely wish that were true at my house. Uh, but we can get in our in the garage, push that button, the door, garage door comes down. We go into the house, and, and we've gone from one place to another. Perhaps even seeing our neighbor outside, or several neighbors outside, and never even having to roll down our windows and say hello. You know, I uh, my. Uh, my house has become, during the pandemic, has become my office, and on uh, nice days, uh, which is a whole lot of them, I sit out back at, at, uh, on my patio, and, and interestingly enough, often, while I'm back there, uh, my, one of my neighbors, uh, a grandfather and his grandchild, will be out just on the other side of the fence. I can hear them playing. Uh, and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's quite often on, on beautiful days, they'll be out there. And, and, and the entire time that I have sat out back and my, my neighbor and his granddaughter have played on the other side, we've never ever exchanged words in, when we're that close to one another. Now, on the other hand, when they're out, uh, we're out front, we've talked. I know his name is Jerry and uh, I know a little bit about some of the things that uh, he's experienced. But I can sit in my backyard outside at the same time that my neighbor is out there and, and not have any interaction with him or them at all. And my guess is many of you can say, I know what you're talking about. And so we live in isolation and so much a part of our culture, we, we don't even think about it. The uh, current number two is relaxation. You know, when we come home, we just want to relax. Uh, I, I can remember when, uh, when uh, Daniel was, you know, he wasn't even a toddler, he was just an infant, uh, just uh, uh, a few, had been, in, uh, been uh, uh, in our home for less than a month, and, and I come home and Ellen uh, basically tosses Daniel at me. She's had enough of, of being a mom. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I, I just want to get in the house and relax you know uh, and, and and so we we look at, at, at our homes which kind of represent our lives outside of work or school we look at our homes as a place of isolation and relaxation now uh, I, I'm reading a book called uh, the simplest way to change the world by Dustin Willis and Brandon Clements and they said you know in the book they, they say we think a primary purpose meaning we in general, not uh, Justin and Brandon, but we as Americans think the primary purpose of our homes is for them to be temples of relaxation. You know, we are created to be temples of the, the living God, the glory of God, and yet uh, in, in our everyday living, as we live out lives, we go home and we think our homes are temples, not of the, for the glory of God, but 
temples of relaxation. Let's just sit back and, and uh, kind of veg out. Uh, current number three is, is entertainment. And, uh, you know, I just want to start with a, with a question, uh, you know, a, a few questions, actually. How many of you have Netflix? You're subscribed to Netflix. Okay. How many of you have Amazon Prime? Okay, kind of interesting. All right, now then, how many of you have some sort of streaming subscription that, where you can uh, access uh, movies or, or television shows anytime you want? Just how many of you have that uh, of any kind? All right, how many of you have at least two of those? Three? Five or more? I, 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 am a, I, I can't even tell you how many we've got. And some of them are just simply because we, you know, we're with Verizon, so they, they hooked us up with Disney Plus, you know. But, but the reality is that, that we are entertained uh, the, uh, at home. And, uh, and uh, I was reading something where they said that the average American spends about five hours uh, on, on uh, watching television. And I actually have no idea now in this context what that means. Uh, does that mean, does that include, you know, watching a movie on my tablet? Because I do that from time to time. And, uh, but, I, but think about this. If we divide the day into three parts, a typical day, it means for about eight hours, give or take, we sleep for about eight hours, give or take, we go to work or go to school, and for eight hours we have free time. Eight hours free time. It never feels that way. I, I see you, Anna, Anna that, you know, you're shaking your head. It doesn't feel that way, and we'll get to uh, current number four of why it doesn't feel that way, but but we've got, uh, got, got eight hours where we're not sleeping and we're not going to work or we're not going to school, and out of those eight hours, of America, and, and Americans in our culture, the current that we swim in, we entertain ourselves five out of those eight hours. Uh, I was thinking in, in relation to uh, you know uh, entertainers and, and athletes. Uh, athletes, uh, athletes' uh, salaries have gone up uh, probably in the last what twenty years or so. It just, I mean, they just continue to shot, shoot up. Uh, and and one of the reasons that athletes get paid so much is they finally are not finally they they start saying we're not just athletes we're entertainers and we need to get that entertainment money because you make so much uh, money off of us as we entertain uh, folks and so their their uh, salaries have shot up but uh, the thing that's happening right now is now that the the athletes have uh, basically a very comfortable uh, lifestyle, one we can't even imagine. They realize that, that their life is more than entertainment. And uh, just this past uh, month, Sports Illustrated had the activist athlete. I mean, the whole uh, series or the whole issue is about uh, athletes and activism and how they uh, take it, uh, have, have uh, uh, voiced their, their thoughts and their opinions and, and, and realizing that they are people of influence and, uh, in that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, is writing uh, about LeBron James, but he's also talking about 
how over the course of time, uh, and he, he really begins with Muhammad Ali, who, who was willing to, to, to be stripped, and in fact he was stripped of his uh, world, uh, uh, his heavyweight uh, championship uh, title because of his position on certain issues. And, and, and different athletes since that time have, uh, have taken stands and voiced their opinions. And, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, is one of those. And of course, the one uh, current uh, uh, player is LeBron James. But this is what, what uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote. We are connected by our passion. Talking about Muhammad Ali, LeBron James, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and others. We're con uh, connected by our passion, not just to enter entertain our world, but also to improve it. And so there's this recognition uh, among athletes that, that they need to be more than entertainers. They, they need, need to make a difference and an impact in, in, the, uh, in the, their world, in our world. And, and if, uh, if uh, professional athletes are aware of that, then we, who are followers of Jesus Christ, especially need to be aware of that. Now, current number four, is busyness, busyness, and uh, and so Anna, I, I know uh, my guess is you feel busy. That's why you don't have a lot of free time. In fact, I know that a lot of parents it just amazes me the things that you have done in this day and time because you're going from soccer matches to piano lessons to and you can go through that list. Your schedules are just just packed. It's a, it's amazing. Uh, and, and as someone who has, uh, who has uh, traveled and uh, had the opportunity to, to uh, do short-term missions and long-term missions, I, I can tell you that, that the rest of the world doesn't live like we live. The rest of the world isn't necessarily as busy as Americans. I, I know that one of my first experiences in a, in a short-term mission trip was to go to the island uh, nation of Dominica. And at Dominica, we were building a fellowship hall that would be hurricane resistant. And, and when we get, got there, the plan was to start putting up the walls because the foundation would already be laid, that the, the church people would, would have already done that. But we got there and we realized we, uh, we needed more shovels uh, because we were gonna have to uh, dig uh, the, 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 the trenches in order to put in the, the rebar in order to pour the concrete, and uh, and our uh, it, instead of putting up walls, we were we were preparing for, uh, to pour a foundation, and uh, and we did that. We poured the foundation, and and but that was all we did, and in two weeks, and when that was done, it was time to head back to the United States. And there was one more uh, mission uh, group that was to follow us and to continue the work. Anyway, a year passes. This is uh, 1993 and 1994, in the winter of 93 uh, and 94, I was going to the Caribbean from Northwest Wisconsin, so you can understand why I was doing mission work at, at that time. <laughs> but anyway, we come back a year later, and, and pretty much where we left off, and where the second team left off, that was all that was done. Because uh, you know the, the, the people of De Dominica have a different uh, mindset; they they live a different lifestyle, and uh, and and busyness has its strength 
and our ability to, to build and construct has its strength, but it's, it's, a, it's a value that we hold that isn't necessarily a value that, that, that the rest of the world or the kingdom of God holds. So, uh, you know, so we're talking about four currents that we swim in, isolation, relaxation, entertain, uh, entertainment, and busyness. Uh, but then we, we want to uh, uh, swim in the current that God has created. And when we start talking about swimming in God's current, now it doesn't mean all of these things just go away and we don't do any of those things, but, but we begin to, to focus on something else and, and we're intentional about something else. And, and in that process, when we talk about God's current, and following Jesus, we cannot avoid the issue of the cross. That God's uh, current, God's movement in our world brings us to the cross. Jesus, in, in today's passage, says, whoever wants to be my disciple, you know, I want to be your disciple, Jesus. Oh, okay, you want to be my disciple. Well, it, 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 whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so, so we say we want to follow Jesus, and Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to go to the cross. You're going to embrace the cross. You're going to deny yourself, and you're going to take up your cross. Earlier uh, in Matthew, in, in another situation, Jesus is again talking about the cross. And he says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all in different ways uh, bring us to the cross. And of course, John... Uh, describes the crucifixion and all, but these particular uh, verses that uh, encourage us to take up our cross daily are found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But but uh, it isn't just Matthew, Mark, and Luke who tell us we need to, to go to the cross. Paul, who is a, a first century believer in Jesus, and he's writing uh, throughout the, the New Testament, uh, the Christian scriptures. He's writing letters to uh, early believers, first century believers. He's helping to encourage them to grow in their faith. And, and he writes uh, to the, the Galatians. A, these are Christians who live in the region of Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, but he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, Paul was brilliant. He was brilliant. He knew scripture. He, he argued uh, scripture prior to, to coming to faith with Jesus and, and Jesus Christ. And he was well respected. He, he had, a, he had a, a life, a religious life that was moving in the direction that, of the culture. And then he encountered Jesus and he, and he basically said, I, none of that counts. All of that has, has been crucified in my life. I uh, have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me because I, I have gone to the cross and I am going to stay in the cross and I'm going to glory in the cross. In Hebrews, 
the author uh, is is uh, Jewish, writing to Jewish Christians. He's a he or she. I'm going to say we. You know, uh, scholars spend a lot of time just trying to figure out who wrote uh, the letter. We don't know if it was a man or a woman, a, a Paul or a follower of Paul. Uh, as you read it, there are some elements that make you think of, of Paul's writing. Uh, but it, that doesn't matter. It's it's is this first century author who's writing to first century Christians, and uh, and and the author uh, in chapter eleven lays out all of these followers, uh, these faithful followers of God, uh, and, and talking about Abraham and Moses and, and uh, men and women. And, and when he when he or she gets to the end of uh, chapter eleven, then picks up that theme in, in uh, chapter 12, and that's where we read, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, talking about these people uh, are, are examples of what it is to be faithful followers, and not only are they faithful followers, but we believe that they're alive and looking at them and witnessing uh, our journey, our race, but since we're uh, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. My goodness, you know, if there's ever a time that we need to embrace and hold on to our faith, it's right now. You know, our our nation. We thought, well, once the election was over, everything would calm down. And and you know, last week, because of what happened, you know, there's all kinds of concerns and worries about what might happen in the next week or two. Uh, and, and, and you may throw up your uh, your hands and say, well, you know, what's going to go happen here in America? But we are followers of Jesus Christ, and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who endured the cross with joy because he saw the other side of the cross. He knew what was going to happen on the other side of the cross, and that would be men, women, and children would come to faith in him and be able to enter into, into the grace and love of God the Father. Now, we need to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily as a people. We need to hold on and to embrace the cross. Now, you know, that kind of raises the question, what is the cross? What are you talking about, Tom? What does it mean for me to take up my cross. And I'll tell you, the first thing we need to understand is what the cross is not. The cross is not our circumstances. And the cross is not our experiences. You know, you know uh, and, and I know that the reality is there are those here who have, who have experienced uh, abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, you've experienced poverty, you've experienced, uh, and there are those here who have experienced uh, 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 you know, some sort of sickness, 
There are those among us at Asbury who have cancer, and 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 we may uh, mistakenly say, well, you know, cancer is my cross to bear, and and the cross is not determined by our circumstances or our experiences. The the cross is not a bad relationship, a bad marriage, something, a bad relationship with a grandparent, a child, a former friend, that is not the cross. So what is the cross? What is the cross? What is it that we are to take up? What is it that we are to embrace? And for part of that answer, we come back to Matthew uh, 16. We we heard uh, the story where Jesus asked his disciples, you know, who do you say, or who do people say that I am? And there's all kinds of answers. And then who do you say that I am? And, and Peter pipes up, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, uh, and, 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 and in that moment, Jesus kind of says, great answer, that's right. That's exactly who I am. And, and, and then he tells Peter who he is. And, 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 and immediately after all of that, all of that, this, this great moment of revelation, then it says, this is what we read. This follows immediately after that. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he would be raised to life. Now, Jesus, when he talks about take up your cross, it's you need to make a decision. You need to choose the current you're going to swim in. You need to, to choose between your dream and God's plan. Are you willing to let your dream die in order to embrace God's plan and God's purpose? Jesus made a choice. He knew what was going to happen if he continued on this journey. He even told the disciples, this is going to happen. Even in the moment that he was being arrested and, and uh, Peter was swinging a sword, even in that moment, he says to them, stop. I could, at this very moment, call down 12 legions of angels. But he let go of his will, his dream, and embraced the destiny, the plan and purpose of God the Father. And so, whatever the cross is in your life, and I cannot, deny, I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to tell you what that is, but I do know what, what it is for you and for me. It's that moment when, when given the choice between something difficult and something easy, something that, that would, would uh, uh, build my dream and something that would build God's kingdom, that, that my cross is to choose the kingdom of God and the difficult in order to, to bring the glory of God to life. People need to see us as, as the temples that we are, the place of God's glory. One of the times that uh, 
I was on a short-term mission trip, and this was one of those really fun ones. It was the summer, It was in the summertime, and uh, a group of us went to Busingen, uh, Busingen, uh, Germany, and uh, and it's really interesting. Uh, it, it's a, a very different kind of place to be because uh, when you're in Busingen and, and you leave, and, and the moment you leave Busingen, you're in you're in Switzerland. And it doesn't matter which direction you go, you're in Switzerland. Uh, it's, it's a dock surrounded by Switzerland, but it's German. Anyway, uh, we were there helping to remodel and, and clean up the grounds at the, uh, the Nazarene European uh, College. And, and just across the street on the other side of some buildings was the Rhine River. And, uh, and well, uh, you know, pretty much every day I, I would say, we need to take a break and go swimming. We need to take a break and go swimming. Well, after about a week, finally everybody else agreed and we could, you know, it was, it was okay to, to, to take a break and go swimming. And so uh, it was the evening just before supper time and, and we walked uh, upstream uh, to a dock and, and got out there and then, uh, then we all jumped in the water, and I think I was one of the first ones to get in the water. I don't think I was the first, but I was one of the first, because I've been talking it up. And so we started swimming, and, uh, and like I said, I was one of the first, but I was the last one to get out of the water. And, I was, and the whole time I was, I was swimming, I'm going, I'm, I must be in terrible shape. And I was kind of surprised because there were a few other folks there that, uh, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, that, there's no way that I'm going to be slower than that person swimming, and, and yet I was. Well, what I discovered was everybody else had gone out further from the shore, and they caught the current, and they just, you know, floated down there. I stayed close to the shore, and I was fighting the current the entire time, that, that back current, trying to get to the same place everybody else was. I found it challenging. In fact, there were so many times I wanted to give up, but, but we, you know, there was only one place to get out, and it was ahead of me. And, uh, and, and when I think about this, is in, there, are, there are currents that are, gonna, that are gonna fight against the very difficult decision to follow Jesus Christ and take up the cross. And, 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 and yet all of us believe we want to move toward God's kingdom. But in all, the only way we're going to be able to move towards God's kingdom is we're going to have to get a little bit further away from the things that we, we swim in right now in order to catch the current of the cross and to go toward what God has called us to be. Again, I cannot tell you what that is for you, but I do know that there is something in each of our lives that is, today we know we've got to let it go. We've got to crucify that, let it die, so that we can move in the power and the current of God's Holy Spirit embracing the cross. To live, to laugh, or to live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.